Jesus overcame. Ah. He didn't overcome the threat of death. He overcame through death. Think about uh, in Revelation, it says, uh, all those uh, who are robed in white are the ones who, <laughs> who gained victory. They did not even love their lives unto death. He's our example, is he not? Let's do this. Let's bow before the Lord. Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. I looked up at this worship that we've, we've brought, Lord. God, it's, it's mutual in, in its benefit, Lord, we pray. We pray that it's been true. It's been pure from uh, undivided hearts lifted to you, God. And Lord, we pray, and Lord, we thank you that as we have sung, you've in, in, we've received ministry and comfort. We've received, uh, you know, excitement and energy and vitality, Lord. We thank you for our time of worship. Uh, God, I pray and I ask that you'd be with us as we uh, go to the uh, your word. We go to the message today, Lord. I pray and I ask that you would just please lead, guide, direct, speak to us, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray and I ask that this would be uh, a benefit to each and every one of us. Uh, So we're asking, Lord, not just that I speak well, we ask that your spirit speaks, Lord. And so, Lord, please speak. Uh, Speak in such a way that we can receive uh, some food, some nourishment to continue to be disciples of your son Jesus who are able who are equipped to make disciples of your son Jesus I pray these things in Christ's mighty resurrected name amen you know missions should be a cause for joy and celebration that's uh, my contention this morning is it should be a cause for joy and celebration it should actually be rooted in joy Of course, when we think of missions, we often think about those people who forsake homes, communities, cultures. They they cross cultural barriers. They cross geographical barriers. Maybe they go to some far off place. But uh, this morning, one thing that I want us to keep in mind is that when we think about missions and we think about the work of missions, we need to understand there are those who are sent. And actually, the word uh, missionary is a sent one. It's a Latin, it comes out of the Latin term. So there's those who are sent, but then there are also the senders. So it's a dynamic partnership, actually. So missions isn't just about the people who, 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 are, who go, the people who are sent. Missions involves the sent and the senders. Of course, we need to think about the senders because most you and I find ourselves in the role of cinders. Uh, one has described cinders as this. They are people who volunteer their labor in support of the scent. And you think about labor, you, you should just go like a big spectrum there. 
Stephen C. Hawthorne. Stephen C. Hawthorne uh, is, uh, he oversees Waymakers, uh, which is a mission ministry out of Austin, Texas. Not only does he oversee his mission ministry, but, 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 but they've, they've done like a lot of research in the field of missions. Now, Hawthorne says, for every fruitful missionary, we invariably find a dozen or more senders supporting them. So when we think about missions, often we, we focus our attention on the sent, but we also need to really have an understanding that, that, that the, the vital role of the senders, and if you and I find ourselves in the vital role of the senders, uh, we need to pay attention to this ourselves. Now, while I contend that we should, mission should be a cause for joy, it should be celebratory, I would ask the question, is that what you typically associate with mission? See, I, I grew up in this church, and I've not only been in this church and mission conferences growing up as a child, but, uh, but I, I went to a, a Baptist college, heard, uh, sat through missions courses, uh, met missionaries. I have friends who uh, have, have actively been the sent ones. Uh, people I know, I love, who have done it or are doing it currently. I've sat through a lot of mission conferences uh, uh, in other churches that I've been a part of. And, and I would just ask you, if maybe some of these terms might, might relate actually when we think about mission. If some of these terms or feelings or emotions get attached to missions rather than joy and celebration. Does guilt get attached to mission? Does fear get attached to mission? Does a, does a feeling almost of defeat get attached to mission? See, how does, how does defeat play in possibly? Well, let's think about this. You, we bring somebody up on the platform and, and, and we're telling you their story and we're excited about their story, but their story is that they have they've sold their home. The home that they, that, they, that they worked really hard to get. They've sold their home. They're leaving behind their family and their community. And, and, and then they are going to, they're going to invest all their resources in, 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 in establishing themselves in a totally foreign culture. And they're doing this with a, with a single-minded purpose, and that is so that people know about Jesus. People in that culture can learn about Jesus, can hear the story of Jesus, can, can, can be rescued by Jesus. And we set them up here, everybody, we honor them, we support them, but it can also make you and I feel like, man, what am I doing? I don't measure up, do I? So you can feel a little bit defeated. Like whatever I do for the sake of the gospel, it's never going to be that. It's never going to be what they did, what they're doing. And guilt comes in 
Not only do you, do you, do you feel like, man, that's amazing what they're doing, but then pity sets in because you go, oh my goodness, what, 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 what about all the birthdays that they're going to miss of their nieces and nephews? What, 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 what about the family member who passes away and they're not going to be able to be at their funeral? And you all know, like, kind of like survivor's guilt. You think, you start feeling guilty because you think about their sacrifice and their struggle. And then you look at your life and you're like, I'm so privileged. I'm so comfortable. And guilt starts to work its way in. Fear, here's fear. Oh my goodness, there's this huge world, billions of people on it. Their only hope, their only hope for, 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 for any future is no government. It's not enough money and not enough education, not the best family legacy that they can leave behind. Their only hope is to trust in Jesus. But to trust in Jesus, they have to hear the message. And so then, what if they don't hear the message? That is a necessary, worthwhile concern that we should be uh, we should be mindful that we want people to hear the message. And so fear comes in and, oh man, we don't even think about the, the, the other reality, right? Think about it. Does the God who, who does not want any to perish, but wants all to come to repentance, as Second Peter uh, chapter number uh, 3 tells us verse number nine does that god is he going to sit back and not motivate the sent and the senders is he not going to get his word out right or all these fears aroused and it's like it could be settled just by the pure reality of who god is and what he desires now here's the deal you and i don't just experience that do we Pastors, teachers, missionaries, well-meaning, beloved ministers of the gospel, the, the church at large, we have actually used these tactics, played on these, played on our guilt, played on our fear and this feeling of defeat. Hey, listen, listen, you, you don't measure up because you're not actually forsaking your home and your territory. But what you can do is you can buy in. You can, you can pray for them. You can support them. And it makes the sender's role feel far insignificant. And it's rooted in, in like the most base tactics. And here's the thing that I, I think. It's not just something that we naturally feel, but, but we've experienced it. That you have, you have sat in a service where somebody has tried to guilt you into doing something for God. Or shame you into doing something for mission. Or they want you to know you don't measure up so that they can squeeze every last prayer out of you, every last dime out of you. Personally, we rely on these things. Man, if I'm not guilty enough, I won't give enough. If I'm not afraid enough, I won't, I won't pray enough. The church uses them. And here's my thought. We use the lowest tactics to, to rouse people to the highest calling. 
Doesn't that seem backward? I use the lowest, lowest level emotion and say, hey, come join in the highest calling, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do it naturally within ourselves. Sadly, I, I've probably participated in it. And it time, time or two myself as a preacher, as a pastor. Now, here's what I think is really interesting is, is the Holy Spirit, as we find in a spirit-breathed letter that Paul wrote, the Holy Spirit doesn't use that. He doesn't play into somebody's insecurities. He doesn't play into somebody's feelings of defeat or guilt or fear. And, of course, this letter that I'm speaking of is Paul's letter to uh, the church at Philippi. And if you know anything about the, 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 the church at Philippi, was they were in a really disturbed place. They had Paul, this, this, this sent one who they supported strongly. They were good senders for Paul. They, they were often care, uh, like worried and, 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 and concerned for his well-being. They, they, they were generously supportive of Paul. And whenever you enter into the book of Philippians, you can find that Paul's going, okay, hey, listen, I have to address some things. Y'all are feeling a little bit defeat. You're feeling like I see some guilt and some fear going on here. Like we need to address this. And here's what Paul uses. Paul doesn't say, Paul doesn't play into all those, th th those emotions. What Paul does is he challenges them and he says, rejoice, rejoice, have joy, be full of joy. A text that I'll draw your attention to is Philippians chapter number two. Um, Brother Will, it's up there, if you will. I'm reading this from the NET. I just liked how it, how it was. Philippians chapter two, verses 17 and 18. And Paul has just told them to, you know, he says, listen, I want you to uh, I'll, I'll continue to be obedient. And he says, I want you to continue to, uh, you know, uh, love one another. He says, I want you to do everything without grumbling and complaining. He says, I want you to be blameless and pure. And then he says, I want you to continue to hold forth the word of life. And he says, so that on the day of Christ, I will have reason to boast. But then in verse number 17, he says, but, but get this, even if, see, Paul was in prison. He was awaiting trial. He could be put to death. Even if I am poured out like a drink offering. Of course, he's using the, 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 the ritual, uh, uh, sacrificial language of the Torah. They not only had animals that they would slaughter, they would also offer their grain offering, and they would pour out their wine, their oil, and that would be an offering unto the Lord. He said, even if I am poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad, and I rejoice together with all of you. And then Paul says, and in the same way, you also should be glad. Listen, y'all are worried about me because I'm in prison. 
You're worried about me because my life's on the line. You're worried about the gospel we find in chapter number one because while I'm in prison, people are taking advantage of this opportunity. People are going to places that I had established and they're trying to disrupt those churches there. People who, who want me to hurt, they're trying to use the gospel actually to, to, to create greater stir in, 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 in this region so that like the authorities will come down harder on me. He says, I know you're worried about these things, and, and you're really worried that I might die. You're feeling a bit defeated. Like, hey, we, we, we've been praying for you, Paul, and you're still in prison, right? And you're feeling a, a, a lot of fear about this thing. What's going to happen with the gospel if Paul dies? You're feeling a little bit like Paul's in that position, and we're not in this position. Oh, my goodness. That survivor's guilt, that we're in such comfort and ease, which they weren't in full comfort and ease, but we are not where he's at. And Paul says, he doesn't play into it. Paul says, hey, let's, let's resist those things. Let's resist those, those, those low emotions. And let's think about it this way. My life can be poured out as a sacrifice. My life can be offered to God for the sake of the name of Jesus. Whenever I think about it that way, that my life can be, can be offered like a drink offering. Oh man, am I afraid? No, I resist fear. Do I feel guilt and shame and condemnation. No, I put those things down. Do I feel defeat? Oh my goodness, if only I had a little bit more time. No, I rejoice. I rejoice that my life gets to be a sacrifice for God. My life gets to be poured out for God. That gives me reason to rejoice. And here's what Paul says, and this is what's so beautiful. Paul is a sent one, and if we could have an image of the sent one who endured so much pain and struggle and persecution, it would be the Apostle Paul. He's not the only one who's ever experienced it. There's been people, there are people today who are experiencing life like Paul experienced life then. They're probably not experiencing it here in America where we are free to testify the gospel, but they're experiencing it in other places. Paul, Paul, who had every right to probably say, you're not doing all that I'm doing. Think about that. He had every right to say, look at all that I'm doing. Go read it through 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, 11, 12. You get there and you find out all that Paul has endured for the sake of the gospel. If anybody could be proud, if anybody could make somebody feel less than, Paul could use that to his advantage. If, if, if we wanted a missionary to come in here and make y'all feel really guilty because you're not doing enough, we would just bring the Apostle Paul and say, look at all that he's doing. And Paul could, yeah, I'm doing a lot, y'all. What are y'all doing? Hmm? How many times have you been beat, scourged, whipped? Happened to me multiple times. How many times have you been imprisoned? <laughs> Lightweights. Could you imagine? But this is what's so beautiful about Paul. Paul says, I rejoice with you all. If I'm poured out like a drink offering, it's not 
just because of my sacrifice. It's because of our sacrifice together. The sacrifice and service of your faith. I rejoice with you all, and I want you all to rejoice with me. Paul calls the church not to get beat up and feel like they're less than because you live in a big, beautiful home in Friendswood or the surrounding community. Because you, you, you drive nice cars with leather seats and heated and cooled seats. No, Paul doesn't do that. Paul says, hey, listen, understand that we are in this together. There's a role for the sent, and there's also a vital role for the sender. And I don't, I don't want you to be motivated with such base things that you will naturally want to think will motivate you, or that this world uses, or that even the church co-ops sometimes. But I want you to be motivated with this, with this joy, with this celebration. Listen, we get to sacrifice in the name of Jesus. We get to lay down our lives. We get to, we get to the opportunity to take the good gifts that God gives us and, and, and write checks or set up recurring online giving, however you do it, or get cash out of the bank, to, to, to pay the missions. You get to say, hey, I'm going to not do this thing so that I can do this thing, and that is me being able to sacrifice to the one who laid down his life for me. I should rejoice in that. I should come in. Oh my, this isn't enough, God. I should, God, thank you for what you gave me. Thank you for providing it for me. I, I, should, I, 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 I probably should be praying this morning. I haven't done enough prayer. I, I bet God wants me to come and go, God, I'm so sorry. I haven't done enough prayer. No, I think God, if you have a true confession, will receive your true confession. But sometimes those aren't true confessions. He wants you to come in and say, God, I get the opportunity to come to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I get to plead with my brother and my sister who's on the other side of the world, who has forsaken everything. And right now they are discouraged. But you are a God who has his spirit alive and well in them. And you you are the God who can lift them up, give them the courage, the strength, the energy that they need today. God, thank you that I can plead with you today for my brother and my sister. Because there's not another thing I can do for them practically. And guess what? Whenever I can't do something for somebody practically, I want to feel defeated. Or I feel ashamed. But God... I'm going to resist that, and I'm going to stand in this. I have joy today that I get to bring them to you, and I know who I'm bringing them to. I know I'm bringing them to a God who loves them, who knows every hair on their head. I know I'm bringing them to the God who, if he cares about the sparrows, he cares about my brother and my sister in Zimbabwe. Are y'all tracking with this? This is, I'm just, I hope it's just like, I, I want to make sure, am I being clear, right? I'm not confusing anybody. I want to make sure that we're getting this because golly, isn't it much better to go with God with rejoicing, with joy in our heart? God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah, he loves one, but he's not going to find one here. Then with this like shackled, shackled with a heavy burden. And I never got free of it. I came to Jesus who said, take my yoke. It is light. And I was like, no, I'll keep carrying this burden, Jesus. I'll do well enough alone. 
So Paul calls them to rejoice. That's all the fiery preaching I'll do. And I don't know what, or sometimes old fundamentalist Baptist gets inside Macaulay. Did y'all see that today? It just happens. And I hope, I, I hope it doesn't come across like yelling at you. I'm like, this it energizes me. Because guess what? That's not how I would naturally see it. The spirit has to give us eyes to see this. We think, man, God wants me to feel really guilty. No, God doesn't. Because God knows that guilt is a terrible motivator. He, what God does is, 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 is he's good to us, and that, that draws us into repentance. Paul, through the Spirit, saw, hey, listen, I want y'all to rejoice with me. He wanted them to see, we're in this together. I'm not the one whose life's being poured out. You're pouring out your lives, and we are in partnership, and we shouldn't do this with, with, with base, low-level emotions for the highest calling. We should do this with joy with thanksgiving, with gratitude. So here's some things that Paul has previously said before he even gets to this point in Philippians. It's not the first time that he calls them to joy. He's actually, throughout the whole book, he wants them to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. He starts out in chapter 1, verse number 4, and he tells them, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul wants them to rejoice that they are, that the sent and the senders have this dynamic partnership. The sent aren't here and the senders are here. We are together. We are co-laborers for the gospel. Koinonia, we are in common fellowship. Common partnership. Paul wouldn't you know why Paul wouldn't say, I did all this stuff, what are y'all doing? Because Paul knows, I could never do all the things if people weren't supporting me. And people weren't undergirding me. He had a humility enough to know that. And so Paul invites them to rejoice in the sent sender partnership. Um, you know, we talked about this fear that, that people play on. Like, well, what if the gospel doesn't get out to the unreached people? Like, first of all, we need to think about this. The gospel didn't start yesterday. The good news of Jesus has been in this world for 2,000 years. 2,000 years the gospel has been being proclaimed faithfully by people. It's been, been being proclaimed unfaithfully by people too. We know that, right? This is what's so crazy and what Paul says in uh, Philippians chapter 1. And you get down to verse number uh, 27 or verse number 18. He's talking about people who preach the gospel faithfully and they are doing it with like pure motivation. And he talks about people who are preaching the gospel and they're not doing it with real good motivation. They're actually trying to hurt Paul. They're trying to cause more shame and pain and frustration for Paul. And he says, you know what I do whenever I think about that? However Jesus' name is being proclaimed, I rejoice. This is hard for you and me to get, but I'm not a perfect testimony of Jesus. And yet, Jesus uses me to testify. I've not resigned to the fact that I'm not perfect. I'm trying to strive to be more like him and as fully. But here's the other thing. I don't know 
all the truth about God and Jesus that there is to know. And in fact, I, I've probably gotten it wrong a time or two. And Jesus doesn't go, oh no, what am I going to do? So, I can have all the doctrinal statement, I can have all the systematic theology that one tradition tells me and I've accepted and I've read, but guess what? That's, that's part of it. And it's not the thing. The thing is that we're proclaiming the name of Jesus and we're doing so in love. So I would just say this, let's alleviate our fears. Jesus's name and his testimony has been in this world for 2,000 years. And it's being preached and proclaimed by people that you and I would go, they're doing it right. And they get the theology right. It's also being proclaimed by people that we go, oh man, they're fuzzy on their theology. They're using the gospel for nefarious purposes, like they were with Paul. And here's what Paul does. I know it's hard. You want to be afraid. You want to, what are we going to do? But Christ is preached. And that's what I rejoice in. I don't rejoice in the person who's proclaiming Jesus, right, wrong, indifferent. I rejoice that Jesus's message is going out. And I trust in the power of the spirit more than I trust in the futility of man. Now, that's a big one to chew on and to swallow. But I think we should rejoice and not be so afraid because God loves this world. His desire is that none perish, but that all come to repentance. Okay, God, I rejoice in this fact that whenever I support the gospel or I preach the gospel, it's not resting on my shoulders. It's in the hand of your spirit. I'm going to try to do my best to be faithful, true, wise in how I do it. But God, I know I plant waters. You give the increase. So he wanted to rejoice that Christ was preached. And then there's another one. Verses 27 through 30. And I'll say this, he wanted them to rejoice that uh, when you do this, when you partner, when the sent and senders have this dynamic partnership, we're living then as kingdom citizens. Everybody wants to know, how do I live as a citizen of the kingdom? Here's one thing that you do is you support other citizens of the kingdom. You come into common unity and common mission and common purpose with other citizens of the kingdom. You support them. You love them. You pray for them. You, you, you financially support them. You, 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 you blast out on Facebook. You know why Brittany has a job with Mission 823? Because she was obnoxious on Facebook. Why do people have her muted on Facebook? Because they're tired of hearing about Ukraine. Paul says, only let your conversation or your citizenship be as that becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Here's what I want you want to hear about you, is that you are living as kingdom citizens. And how is that? That you are striving together with one faith, one mind, for the sake of the gospel. When we do this, we can rejoice that we are living like kingdom citizens. Isn't that awesome? 
And I don't want you to be afraid of your adversaries. I don't want you to give in to all your base level emotions and fears and be motivated then. No, you don't even have any reason to be afraid. Listen, whenever you suffer for the name of the gospel, that's an evident token, he says, of their perdition, of their death. But of your life, your salvation, your rescue. For unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ. We've been gifted on the behalf of Christ. Not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Sometimes that suffering comes from the outside. Sometimes that suffering is that thing that we live into because we go, hey, you know what? I want, I rejoice that the gospel, that this person's taking the gospel. I celebrate them and I want not only to celebrate that they are sent, but I want to support them as a sender. And so, you know what? I'm going to give up some things so that I can support them more. And not just money and stuff. I'm going to give up some dignity on Facebook, right? Um, like Brittany, right? No, I'm just joking. I said dignity on Facebook. It was a play on the other. Okay. I went too far, I hear. I'm going to give up. A meal in which I can sit down and I can talk to somebody about me and my stuff and all the things that are going on to where I can go, can I tell you about a ministry that you can partner with? Do you know my missionary friend? They're trying to get to the field. Having the same conflicts which you saw in me and now here to be in me. So, my brothers and my sisters, we, mission should be a joyful, celebratory uh, adventure. Missions Month should be a month in which we are finding ways. Through our rejoicing, we are finding ways in which we partner with the sent. Those of us who are senders, we are partnering and supporting the sent. We are doing this not out of guilt, fear, shame, condemnation, defeat, pity. We are doing this out of joy. We can do this out of joy because we understand we're partnering together with somebody else for the sake of Jesus' name. We can do this with joy because guess what? Whew, they're going out and they're proclaiming the word and, and, and they're going to get it right. And they're going to they're gonna have some moments where they go back to the drawing board and they have to fix it. But guess what? At the end of the day, I trust that Christ's name is preached and there's power in proclaiming the name of Jesus. So I'm going to rejoice in that. I'm going to rejoice that when we do this thing together, when we partner, when we give faith promise, when we pray, when we give up a meal so that we can tell about our friend's ministry, when we do these things, we're living as kingdom citizens. These are good reasons for us to rejoice. And I invite you, my brothers and sisters, in this Missions Month to rejoice. Always and again, I say rejoice. Amen. Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. I pray, Lord, that whatever 